a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. I'm your inside source for the afternoon. I'm Greg Scordis. We spoke yesterday for quite a while with, um, uh, or on a topic that's sort of near and dear to me because of my profession and some of the things that I've done. But we talked about some of the officer-involved shootings that have occurred in our country recently and a couple even just within our state. Uh, Two prominent ones that we spoke of quite a bit yesterday and again a little bit today were uh, occurred in Texas. A uh, female officer from the Dallas area uh, shot an individual who she thought was in her apartment. In fact, she was on the wrong floor. She was later indicted for murder, tried, convicted, and received a 10-year prison sentence. And we all saw the aftermath of that. Uh, One of the victim's family members gave her a hug, sort of broke from protocol, and came and did that. People were concerned that 10 years was a modest sentence for a murder, but maybe a harsh sentence for a manslaughter. And does this case sort of fall in between? Uh, Yesterday, we received news that a Fort Worth area officer had resigned his position after being uh, involved in another officer-involved shooting where a female, an African-American female, was shot in a home while she was babysitting a little 8-year-old, uh, 33-year-old woman who was a grad student, was uh, mistaken for who knows what, and was um, killed. That uh, officer has now been charged just within the last 24 hours with her murder. Uh, we're joined this afternoon by a dear friend of mine, Ken Wallentine, and Ken, I'm going to try something. If you're there, I'm going to try. Okay. To, I'm going to try to to recreate your resume as far as I know it, because I think I've known you for about 30 years. But if I were to guess, I would say you started your sort of professional career in law enforcement. I don't know which agency you worked for, but I'm guessing it was Salt Lake County. But I could be wrong. You then went to uh, law school, graduated, and became a prosecuting attorney. And my first experience with you was at the. Uh, well, you worked actually before that. I think you worked for the Court of Appeals. You were a court clerk. Went to the Uinta County Attorney's Office. Was a prosecuting attorney. We had cases with each other, and I thoroughly enjoyed working with you. You later became the elected official out there. And if I'm missing something, don't correct me because it's kind of my show here. And then went to the <laughs> Attorney General's Office. Worked with the police officer standards and training. Uh, worked with police officers, and now you've come full circle. And you are currently the West Jordan City Chief of Police. What did I miss? Well, there were there were a couple of stretches there, Greg. But I, I've been a cop for 37 years, and a, and uh, as you mentioned, I've taken a hiatus a couple of times to be to be a uh, lawyer, prosecutor. Yeah, sure. And I still I still dress up once in a while and pretend to be a lawyer. It's kind of fun. Well, do you dress up as a police officer once in a while? Do you wear a uniform? 
I wear a uniform every day. You know, I I have 125 uh, officers here that I support, and so I, I'm, I'm not as good looking as any of them, but I I try to look as closely as I can to the to the rest of them. <laughs> well, I think you're good looking, and I think your Harley Davidson is one of the prettiest ones in the state. But let me talk to you about something here, Ken. Um, first of all, I mean, sort of the overriding question is why would you go back into law enforcement? But second, it seems like it's a tough time in this country for law enforcement with the um, with the use of body cams, with the sort of the overriding opinion that a lot of people have that officers are um, maybe more aggressive than they've been in the past, that there are racial profiling going on. I mean, what can you say in your experience today in 2019 from the law enforcement community to kind of where we've come from when you started, let's say, 20 or 30 years ago? Well, I think it is a tough time for cops, and and certainly you mentioned some of the factors. There is increased scrutiny. We scrutinize ourselves. You know, we put cameras in our cars and cameras on our officers, and uh, many times they they forget those cameras are on. And sometimes that's great because it shows great work that they do, and it shows that folks have said something about the officer's conduct that just isn't true. And then, frankly, sometimes. Uh, we let an officer sit there with a supervisor and review a video, and, oh, the officer just wants to, to fall into the chair. I have two kids that are cops, and we talk about uh, often the, the time difference between when my grandpa was doing this, my great-grandpa, and, and their time. The public expects more out of us. And one of the things I say to police chiefs all the time is, you know, we've just got to change the way we were doing things nearly 40 years ago when I started this. And, and back then we could stand up and say, well, hey, we're the police. We're the police. Do you, you don't get to question us. And uh, nowadays, I, I think, and, and for quite some time, the, the word has been: look, we've got to engage the entire community, uh, including the, the silent majority. Uh, in my community here, I, I'm the police chief in a very diverse and a wonderful community, and that entails acknowledging different perceptions and experiences, and, and listening, listening as intently as I want to be heard, and, and engaging in dialogue, and something that sometimes is unique. Uh, police push back against we have to be humble we have to be open to being criticized uh, now same time greg uh we've got to stand up when when our officers do something right and let the community know why we do what we do it seems to me ken that in in the in our careers we're talking with ken wallentine chief of police of west jordan city police department we with the advent of first dash cams and now body cams there was and I and when we started a lot of these cams, I was at the district attorney's office, and there was some sort of nervousness that, well, uh, are police really? Uh, do we really want to watch everything they do and every word they say, and and be a part of their profession the way that it is? And is that going to bring heightened scrutiny to police? But I want to say this, in my opinion, and of course now I'm primarily a criminal defense lawyer. What I've seen from these body cams and from these dash cams is, in fact, a corroboration of what the police are have been telling us and that in fact these um these media pub uh, the body cams and the and the and the dash cams have in fact helped police in situations where it's a it's a he said she said do you do you find that to be the case i do and that 
helps me as I do the hard budget number crunching because these the body cameras are expensive and data storage is expensive, maintenance is expensive. Um, all of that comes at a, a real hard cost for us. But I, I look at the times when officers are either exonerated or uh, even more gratifying when there's a, a victim of a crime who uh, the officer is there and, and uh, witnesses something and there's that extra corroboration for perhaps the domestic violence victim or, or, or someone who... Um, who ultimately triumphs in court because of the body-worn camera. So I think they're worth it, uh, but I have to acknowledge they have limitations, too. They don't see everything the officer sees. They don't have the same sensory inputs, the same feeling, and, and so forth. So they have limitations, but they're great tools, just like any other tool. They're not perfect. Ken, walk us through something in the last in the last minute here, and I'm sorry we cut your segment short a little bit. And, and But by the way, don't, don't, don't be shy. Talk as much as you want. But when an officer is involved in a shooting... Walk us through the protocol. What happens to that officer, to his or her department? How does the investigation handled, and and what what can what can we expect as a community? Sort of sitting back, going, okay, when are we going to see a result? How are we going to find out how this is going to be ultimately handled? Well, Greg, you and I have handled a number of cases together over the years, including uh, homicide cases, and I, I think you and I both recognize, but the public may not. That essentially this is a, it's a homicide. It's, it's not a murder. It's a homicide. It's an intentional killing. Those investigations take a long time and we want to get them right. And there's some things that we, we can't rush in order to get them, uh, to get them right. And in that moment, uh, the officer steps away from the scene and, and ultimately doesn't really have any part in the investigation, has very little control about where it goes. I think one of the things that, that I would like to urge uh, my fellow chiefs of police and, and those in the community is, please understand, we police humans with humans, and humans sometimes do wonderful things and, and are very courageous and, and uh, have great triumphs, but humans also make mistakes. They see things differently. They come to a situation with different training and experiences. And the community always wants a positive outcome, and the environments and the circumstances we're placed in don't necessarily permit all positive outcomes. I I started the day the other day speaking in a, a fifth grade class. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. It beat the heck out of going to city council that night. And when I talked to the kids about, you know, their exchanges with police officers, uh, and when when the police got called to a house, one girl said, well, we don't call the police when we're happy. Uh, well, that's incredibly profound from a, a five-year-old. So the one thing I would say to the public is, is please understand, these investigations take time. I will tell you from my own experience, and Greg, as, as you know, I've worked in these cases in a number of states and, and here within the state on many, many police shootings. Uh, the intensity of the investigation and the, and the examination of the evidence uh, is, is unparalleled. We get to the bottom of uh, the evidence insofar as humanly possible, and you know, at the end of the day, we we face the truth, and we own our triumphs, and we own our mistakes. And I, I certainly think we've seen that play out in Texas. Uh, Ken, thank you for joining us this afternoon. You're you're one of my heroes. I mean, you give so much to our community, and and you give so much to the law enforcement community. You give so much to the legal community. You served the attorney general's office so admirably, and the the Uinta County Attorney's Office. And I I enjoy working with you. I hope I continue to work with you. And thank you for joining us this afternoon. As do I, Greg. Thank you. God bless. Take care. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.